Our gospel lesson for today, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. As soon as Jesus and his disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, everyone is searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. How many of you can relate to the frantic thing that goes through your head when you see someone that you know, but you cannot place them. Yeah? Yeah? It's, it's almost terrifying, especially if they're beginning to engage with you and you're like, why do I know you? Yes, everyone is familiar with this. This has happened to me many, many times. The last time I can really remember it happening was actually late last summer at the party that we had for my parents for their 50th anniversary. We were all just kind of standing around. There was a lot of people that were coming and going. Some of them I knew. Some of them I remembered right away. And some of them I had no idea who they were, and that was fine. At one point, this this woman came up to me, and she was, I don't know, I'd say 15 or 20 years older than me. And it, it was this total sense. Like, I'm looking at her, and I'm like, I know her. But I could not place her. And then, and she must have been able to read that on my face because she says, you don't remember me, do you? And I'm like, oh, it was the worst. And so my brain was just frantically searching my memories. Like, why do I know her? And I couldn't come up with it. <laughs> she was my parents' neighbor. <laughs> I mean, I'd known her my entire life. And, and as, so, as soon as she told me who she was, my brain was like, oh, Duh, of course, and almost that recognition of, oh, yeah, that, that's who you are. There you are. Now I've got you. And, but then I didn't feel quite so bad because then she says, well, I don't know which one of the two brothers you are, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> it went both ways, and I felt, I felt a little better. Now, it's not really the same thing, but the idea that I'm really getting at here is this idea of, of searching our memory, trying to identify or trying to find the identity of a person or, or just searching. That's really what, what I'm going on about. Let's talk about our gospel. We're still in Mark chapter one. We're, we're still very much in a very condensed portion where we've been for the last several weeks. A lot of what uh, we might talk about today may sound sort of familiar compared to the last week or two because it's all in this one portion. So where we're at, at this early, early portion in the gospel and this early portion of Jesus' ministry, it's centered right around the region of Galilee. Now, Galilee is in the northern part of Israel. It's actually a very wonderful, beautiful, open, kind of rolling, grassy hillsides. It's a gorgeous part of the world. And specifically, he's in and around the city of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is right along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
This is where he's been walking, and he encountered the first four disciples, and he called them to follow. That's Peter and Andrew and James and John. They all, all four of those guys live in Capernaum, and so they're in the city, and then they've gone into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now, this was the story from a week ago, if you happen to be here. In the midst of this, this time when Jesus is teaching and astonishing everyone with this authoritative teaching that he has, suddenly a man who's possessed of a demon jumps up, and Jesus shows that he has authority over the demon, and he casts the demon out. Now, that has happened in the midst of their, their time of, of worship there in the synagogue. Now, our story picks up today immediately after that, as this time uh, of, of worship, as this, this corporate time together for them on their, their Sabbath day is over. They're leaving the synagogue, and they go into Peter's house. And we hear that Peter's mother-in-law is there. She lives there, apparently, and she's sick with a fever. Now, we don't know a whole lot of details of what's going on. We don't know what she's sick with, just that she is laying in bed and, and she's got this fever. Now, Jesus once more shows that he has authority over illness. He has power over illness, this divine ability to perform miracles. And he goes to Peter's mother-in-law, and he takes her by the hand, and he lifts her up. Uh, the original language actually says he raises her up, almost like foreshadowing that whole resurrection thing that we like to think about. But he heals her, and he raises her back up, and she, she kind of goes around with life like normal. Now, between what happened in the synagogue and now what's happened with Peter's mother-in-law, it seems like word spreads around Capernaum, this city, this community, like wildfire. And later on that evening, once the Sabbath is over, everybody in town is gathering around Peter's house. <clears throat> and they're bringing everyone who is sick or everyone who's possessed. And we hear that Jesus is healing all of these people, kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Healing illness, casting out demons. He's a healer. And that seems to be the basis for what the people want him to do, and he is willing to do it. We don't know how late into the night this whole situation goes. I'm guessing probably pretty late. But then early the next morning, before it even begins to get light out, Jesus apparently is ready for a break, and he's going to withdraw, and he wants to go off by himself to pray. And so he goes out into the wilderness. Now, this is probably kind of an easy thing to, to picture in your minds. Imagine one of us went outside and crossed the road right here and just went walking out into the fields. You know, granted, fields, a little bit different than rolling hillsides, but it's kind of easy to get lost out there. If, if you were all looking for me and I was just somewhere out there, it might take you a while to find me, right? That's what happens when it, it, the disciples discover, the four disciples discover Jesus isn't around and everybody wants him around. We better go find him. Now, we don't know how long they have to look for him. It could have been a very brief amount of time. It might have been all day before they finally find him. But I can only imagine as they're looking around, frantically trying to find him, eventually they locate him, and either they're really happy to see him, oh, there you are, Jesus, or maybe they're really annoyed. There you are. Everyone is looking for you. Why? You ever thought about why everyone's looking for Jesus? He's already performed all the healings. What more do they need? But they are. The people of the community want to keep him around. Now, I thought a lot about that. What was their motivation? What did they want from the guy? At this point, early on in the gospel, it would seem that Jesus is kind of a one-trick pony. They've seen him heal, and they've seen him cast out demons, and they've seen him do that over and over and over and over again. But this is a pretty good thing, right? Maybe the people are thinking, we got to keep this guy around, because what if I get sick? 
If I get sick and I need a healing, we know he can do it. He better stay here. What if it's someone that I care about? Maybe someone in my family gets possessed of a demon. We know he can cast them out. We got to keep him around here. Not only that, word's going to spread around. And if everybody in the countryside finds out there's this great healer in Capernaum, they're all going to come here and, you know, we got to feed them and we got to give them a place to say, we might benefit from that. We got to keep him here. I don't even think the disciples were probably immune from it. We said we'd follow this Jesus guy, but we all live right here. If we stay around here, we can follow him and sleep in our own beds at night. We got to keep him here. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Lord, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus is like, cool, we're going over here. So that I may proclaim the message and do what I came out to do. And the message that Jesus came to proclaim, that's the very first thing we hear him say in Mark's gospel. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, there's always debate. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that the kingdom of heaven has come near? Well, it seems to be, on one hand, freeing people from that which hinders them, whether that's illness or possession, or whether it's the freedom of the gospel of knowing that God has come near to them and loves them. That is the message that Jesus came out to do. Now, throughout the course of the gospel, we hear Jesus shows up in a lot of different places. He's not just there to be in Capernaum. He's not just there to be in Galilee, though sometimes he's in those different communities, a different area. Sometimes we hear he's down in Jerusalem. Sometimes we hear he's out along the Jordan River. Sometimes he's on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee in Gentile territory. It seems like he showed up for everybody, and he just keeps going round and round and round and doing his ministry of freeing people from what hinders them. I can't help but think that Jesus is going looking for everybody. They might have been looking for him, but he was looking for everybody. I'm reminded of an old Far Side comic. You guys remember the Far Side? I really wish that Gary Larson was still drawing those. They're they're wonderful. There's one in particular that I really remember. It's the inside of a house, and there's a lady standing at the door, and then there's two, like, traveling missionaries that are at the door, and they ask the question, have you found Jesus? And if you look really close, there is a pair of sandaled feet behind one of the curtains, which is both cool and creepy at the same time. <laughs> but it's this idea. I, I remember another joke of some sort that I heard. Have you found Jesus yet? I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. There's nothing wrong with seeking Jesus. There's nothing wrong with seeking for God. In fact, I think we are called to do that. But the truth of the gospel is that when we begin to search for God or we begin to search for Jesus, we find that God's already there because God has come near to us in the the person of Jesus. God dwells among us as the Holy Spirit. God is present in the times when it feels like it as well as the times when maybe it doesn't. That seems to be the message that Jesus wants everyone to know. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, Is life perfect yet? Absolutely not. We all know better. And while God may view every single one of us as a forgiven saint, we also know that we are sinful, broken people. That's the world that we live in. That's the reality that we live in. But thanks be to God that whatever he was doing through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God was overcoming those powers of sin and brokenness and death that separate us from God and that separate us from one another. 
And at some point out there in the unknown future, and yes, I know I do that all the time. I don't care. That's my thing. Some point out there in the unknown future, when God brings all of this to completion, all this junk will be no more. And God will still be there. That's the promise of the gospel. We go looking. Jesus is already there because he was looking for us first. Amen.